Well, now it's time to discuss the headlines. And today I'm joined by RTHK's international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Stephen. Good to hear your voice. And Kenny Wen, who not only will I hear his voice, but I can see his face in our Admiralty <laughs> studio. Kenny Wen, the head of investment strategy at KGI Asia. Good morning, Kenny. Good morning, everyone. And I hope they're looking after you at our Admiralty location. Anyway, <laughs> let's kick off with the biggest news story, the Israel Hamas, the biggest news, general news story, not necessarily financial one, but it is the Israel Hamas war. Yesterday, my guests were comparing it to Ukraine and Russia conflict, which hit the financial markets, but it was only a short term blip. Do you agree that will happen with the Israel Hamas impact, Kenny? I think if we refer to the asset prices, um, uh, we see some width off, especially from the uh, bond market. But I can say that it may also be driven by the dovish comment from the Federal Reserve, yeah. also potential stimulus measure from China. So uh, anyway, I would say uh, the asset prices are relatively uh, stable. This is uh, my, my observation. Yeah. And personally, I think if the war or conflict uh, stay within the Gaza uh, region, then uh, the, the uh, impact on the financial market should be short-lived. But on the other hand, uh, if we uh, spread out or uh, other countries step in, yeah. then the situation will be complicated. For example, uh, if there were evidence uh, proving or showing that uh, Iran or, or directly related to uh, this uh, recent attack, then U.S. may step in uh, or uh, uh, maybe some uh, new round of uh, sanction will be uh, executed on those uh, export, uh, oil exporting countries. Yes, then, uh, I mean, that's what the talk about, isn't it, Barry, that Iran might step in. Yeah, then I've, and, I worry that the, stock, uh, the, the oil prices will go up. Uh, the stock market will worry about what we call stagflation that's happened in 1970s. Uh, so in this case, I think uh, the impact will be significantly uh, larger. And we, uh, But uh, up to this moment, what we can do is just... Uh, uh, as usual, to keep a close eye on the issue, especially on, on bond yield and yes. also the oil prices. Let's go on to Barry now. So, Barry, there's lots of moving parts, as always, in the financial market. So it's difficult to say how much this conflict is actually impacting the uh, markets. But what are your thoughts? And how about if Iran does join the conflict and it escalates? Well, I don't think that latter possibility is strong. I think that uh, rather you could find the Israelis attacking Iran because if there's some evidence that emerges that Iran was more directly involved than just supporting over the years the Hamas militia, that could change things. But I agree with Kenny. Kenny's got it right. If this remains localized to Gaza and southern Israel, the first two days of market trading here in the States have been pretty surprisingly benign. But if you find something in the north on the Israel-Syria border, that could draw in some response from Russian troops who are in northern Syria or Turkey, which is also concerned and has been making incursions into northern Syria. So, so far, it has been, despite the horrendous loss of life yeah. mm. and the rattling of sabers, both from 
the Americans and certainly the Israelis as they now attack Gaza. I think that um, we've had very little financial impact from this, as the Israelis say, the war on Hamas. Yeah, and um, I think I can speak for myself and my guests where we're hoping this will end very soon and certainly not escalate. Anyway, let's move on to the IMF. There were lots of forecasts updated by the IMF yesterday who said the global economy was limping along and called for forceful action in China. Barry, what were your key takeaways from the data and comments from the IMF yesterday? We, I think, first of all, that one has to say this is in Marrakesh in Morocco. So this is, after all, an Arab country. It may be far away on the western edge of the Islamic uh, influence in the world. But nonetheless, it's an Arab country. My response, Stephen, is that um, what else could they say? This, as the chief economist observed, there has not been a global recession. That's good news. But my goodness, if you've got 3% economic growth worldwide, that's a poor number. Exactly. Uh, there was a chief economist at the IMF who used to say 4% is a recession <laughs> because wow. developing countries require a rapid pace of economic growth. China always would get, what, 9% for many years. Now it's we're down to 3 The United States is doing all right, but my goodness, who would say that 2% growth in the United States is good? It is better than it might have been. But it's not a rosy forecast. I like what Guranja said. It is in a world economy that is not sprinting. It is limping. Yeah, quite a dramatic language there, limping <laughs> along. Uh, Kenny? Yeah. Okay, uh, in terms of the forecast uh, for this year, is 3% is not really a good number. But next year, even worse, is talking yeah. about 29 So it's not a, just a short-term economical uh, uh, hit. And also, if we uh, divide into different countries, U.S. may be talking about 21 But as, as we mentioned uh, before, we worry that the recession is only delayed but not avoided. We still worry that... Uh, uh, maybe next year, uh, the economy uh, in U.S. will be slowed down, and not to mention Europe and China. I still, I think everyone in Hong Kong still worry about China, especially the property market. Yes. So talking about five percent and four point something next year, it's it's definitely not a good news for Hong Kong stock investors. So we need to uh, find some way to solve the structural property uh, issue. Otherwise, uh, four to five percent GDP growth may not really enough to create uh, enough yeah. jobs for the uh, China economy. So, so Kenny, why do you think the IMF are giving a lower forecast than even lower forecast for growth next year? What's influencing that? They, uh, they uh, actually they have mentioned about the uh, rising bond yields. So, with a rising, a rising bond yields, our uh, everyone borrowing costs will be higher. So, it should be not good for consumption and investment. So, uh, and also, uh, as we all know now, China is the second larger economy in the world. So, if China only provide four or five percent GDP growth, uh, definitely, it, it, I'm I'm not saying that we jack down the global growth, but anyway, uh, it's not as support as the previous uh, few years. 
Okay, let's move on to the IMF meeting now, because they are in fact meeting in Morocco this week. What headlines are you expecting to come out of the IMF meeting, Barry? Oh my, look, um, <laughs> I, I think this is a meeting that um, is important. Anytime you get 5,000 bankers together, along with finance ministers and central bank chiefs, that is going to be important. And I myself have reported from probably 20 of these meetings. As to headlines, I don't see any. I think that uh, the Africans will talk about debt relief and that they need help, but that's not a new issue. I think the Europeans are struggling to avoid recession. Germany is in recession. The Americans are probably saying, look, um, we're going to change the World Bank. We're going to make the World Bank much more responsive. And what they don't say, but implicit in the statement, is we're challenging the Belt and Road Initiative. The World Bank has got huge resources, and we're not going to let the Chinese, with the BRI, completely have a clear road ahead in terms of getting finance to developing countries. But as I said a moment ago, I don't think there's going to be many headlines at all. And of course, Barry, uh, Morocco is suffering financially after the climate event earlier this year. So um, do you think there that will be a topic? There have been so many of... disasters, Stephen. I know, You're right. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, you know, there was an initially concern as to whether that meeting could go forward. Uh, yes, they, they've managed to do it. And I think they're making a lot of friends. Uh, this is a very moderate country with uh, sensible economic policies, but like Europe across the Mediterranean, the, uh, the Moroccans are in trouble, but they're not at all as in trouble as the Tunisians or the Libyans or the Algerians. So relative, I guess. Kenny, do you see any headlines coming out of the meeting this week? Um, I don't think so because I guess uh, the meeting will focus on mid to long term cooperation, especially related to Africa. So in Hong Kong local media, I don't think that much uh, headlines will be related to this meeting. Okay, well let's move on to another topic that's in the news at the moment. It's, it always seems to be in the news, which is chips. Yeah. It looks like Samsung will announce an 80%, and we're not talking about the edible chips, uh, Samsung will announce an 80% drop in profits, but I'm more interested in why the US has given a special exemption on its chip restrictions to Samsung and um, South Korean companies. Kenny, why do you think they've made this exception for these companies? I don't have a uh, very confident answer. Maybe Barry can answer. But anyway, I will share my views. Mm. First of all, I think it's not helping China. It's helping Korea. Uh, maybe there's some agenda which, uh, not to forget, next year we'll have the U.S. president election. So they may have some agenda. Uh, U.S. and Korea will work together on some aspect. And also, if uh, they not to give this waiver, there will be some uh, global supply chain issue that will hurt U.S. as well. Uh, and some investors saying that maybe U.S. is quite confident that uh, with the existing uh, sanction, it's already enough to uh, stop the China to provide high-level advanced trips. So uh, given the waiver for Korea or even Taiwan uh, may not uh, uh, change the whole situations. That is my view. So Barry, how do you think? Well, Kenny, I agree with you. I think you've got a very comprehensive um, analysis of the situation. The Americans are looking for friends. 
and they know that Samsung, along with TSMC in Taiwan, these are the major players in the chip sector. They don't want to alienate the management of these two companies. Mm. And don't forget, both mm. companies are investing in the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Samsung is putting a big facility in Texas outside of Austin. TSMC is putting a big one in Phoenix, Arizona. So, yes, give them an exemption. But, Stephen, as to your initial question, why this 80% drop in markets, uh, profits, it's because the chip sector is notoriously volatile. Okay, go I'm going to have to um, stop you there. Nothing Sorry. to a lot. Thank yeah, you. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> Just getting the last few words in there um, to complete your sentence. That was helpful. Anyway, that was RTHK's international economics correspondent, Barry Wood and Kenny Wen.